Well, greeting friends, we sure miss you. We miss a lot of things about our normal rhythm of church. I just remember last week reading on our chat box, little Stella Sinnott said these words, I miss my church. Well, we miss you, Stella, and we miss all of you that you are not here with us today. We also, I, if I'm going to be honest with you, I miss uh, some of the normal routines of life. I miss taking our kids to activities and not only for their sake to be involved in the activities, but also the social aspect that my wife Katie and I get with the other parents and just doing the other routine things in life. And if I'm going to be really, really honest with you guys today, I have to say I really, really miss sports. I mean big time. <laughs> really miss sports. In fact, I threw the question out there to Twitter and to some of you, uh, texted some of you and asked, what do you miss too? And you said, oh my gosh, yes. I asked, what sport do you miss and why do you miss it? And the responses were varied. Now for me personally, you know, many of you know I'm a Hawkeyes fan and a St. Louis Cardinals fan. So first of all, I miss the opportunity to watch these young athletes when you think about the Iowa Hawkeyes, they had the three top players in the three winter slash spring sports. There was Luca Garza, who was the national, or excuse me, the Big Ten Player of the Year. There was Kathleen Doyle, was the Big Ten Player of the Year in women's basketball. And Spencer Lee was the wrestler of the year at the University of Iowa. And all three of them, uh, careers, not their careers, but the season cut short and a chance to see what they could have led their teams on to do. I asked a number of you exactly uh, why you're feeling the same way that I'm feeling. And some of the same things were mentioned, you know, the sense of community uh, that we don't have with one another, the sense of distractions, you know, uh, sports take a, a huge uh, distractions away from us from kind of the serious things in life. I find myself gravitating towards the news stations and getting overwhelmed. And while it's all good, we should stay informed and be smart about this crisis, we also need a release and unfortunately for a lot of us, live sports, we don't have that and we don't have that release. We also, you said you miss going to your kids' activities so you can have that camaraderie with the other parents that I mentioned. And a number of you said you love the unpredictability that live sports have. Truly reality television. We don't know what's going to happen. Many of us are missing March Madness. The basketball tournament canceled for the first time in our lifetimes. And we're drawn to that tournament, I think, because we love those Cinderella stories, those underdog stories of teams that have no business winning and they triumph over the blue bloods and we love to cheer them on know their stories and follow along with them i think that's one of the main reasons that we're drawn during this time of crisis to any sort of hopeful story or meme or anything we can find and grab our hands on the internet i think it's one of the reasons why churches right now are flourishing online like ours two weeks ago when we did our first we tried our first live stream worship it wasn't great we had 1,000 people tune in. Last week, we had 800 people tune in. I talked to Pastor Steve. He and I could never remember a random Sunday in Lent where 800 people showed up at worship. But you're showing up now. You're intrigued. You want these stories. You're longing for these stories. And this week, we get the ultimate underdog story in the church. Jesus rides into Jerusalem, triumphant, on a, on a colt, on a donkey, and they wave palms, and they say, Hosanna, and you're the greatest ever, and this just didn't happen overnight. Jesus cultivated this ministry over several years of, of reaching out to people, of doing dramatic, uh, just incredible things, coming from uh, meager beginnings, growing up in poverty in the Middle East, in the middle of nowhere, and not doing amazing huge things, but small things like 
caring for people and praying for people and loving for people who are in turmoil and who are sick and and who are dying and he loved them and he included them and he kept building this following more and more until he got to Jerusalem the holy city and he rides in triumphantly and then the story takes a quick turn and all those shouts of hosannas now become in just a few days shouts of crucify him you know what we think about it he's a troublemaker we have to get rid of this guy. Not only the powers of the church, the blue bloods of the day wanted to get rid of this young uprising, but also did the government. The government says, we can't have anything to do with this guy. And they put him to death. They put him to death on a cross. That happens on Good Friday. Just before that, on Monday, Thursday, he breaks bread with his followers and says, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. And they're like, what is going on, Jesus? What are you talking about? But he's talking about the blood that he's going to shed on the cross. Holy Saturday, we wait in vigil with his disciples, wondering, what is God going to do? Is this the end? Is our Cinderella story, are we making an early exit in the dance? Are we going on? And on Easter Sunday, God pulls out a miraculous last-second victory and raises his son, Jesus, from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate in one week's time the empty tomb that God is not dead, but Jesus is alive and raised and with us. It is the ultimate underdog story. And I think it's one of the reasons we're drawn to it. You know, just shortly after that, in the early days of the church, the church flourished. And Pastor Steve and I noted they didn't have any church sanctuaries. They didn't have sanctuaries full of people. They didn't have buildings. They worshiped in their homes with people that they loved and fellow believers. And they cared for one another in great and personal, intimate ways. And I think we're starting to see that again, maybe a rebirth in the church. We set up a phone tree recently and, and we're calling about 800 of our families. We've got 75 volunteers calling the same 10 families every week to say how you doing are you hanging in there are you sick are you healthy you know God is with you and we're being the church maybe like we've never been before as I mentioned a little earlier our online worship not only our congregation but congregations all over the country and all over the world now figuring out how to live stream or how to put up a, a phone and, and do Facebook live or whatever they're doing and the gospel is going to every corner and we're seeing in our congregation, we're reaching people on not only the edges of our congregation, but beyond. People from all over tuning in to hear the gospel, to hear the good word. We're hungry. We're starving, friends. We're starving for some good news. And we're being the church in ways, ironically, we've never been closer than we are now. Isn't that bizarre? As we walk around the chalk drawings that the kids are doing on the sidewalks, messages of, of hope and seeing the windows and hearts and teddy bears, and we'll put Easter eggs up this Saturday, and just the hopefulness, our 11.15 pianist Joel Reeves said, I took the kids around, we drove around in the car, and, and we were seeing people walking, and we're honking, and they're all waving at us, and we're waving at them, and we're just so happy to see other human beings, hey, how you doing? We're in this together. We have that sense now, don't we? We're in this together. We're in this fight together. We've never been as close as a humanity to each other, maybe in all of our lives. 
And friends, God is right here with us in the middle of it because of what God did on the cross and through the empty tomb that the pain that we now feel, the fear, the trepidation, the unknowing, God knows and has experienced all of that on the cross. And he, not I, but he can say, I know what you're going through. Hang in there. I am with you. I have never been as proud as I am at this moment to be a Christian leader in the church, to see the way that you guys are being the church. You're caring for one another. You're reaching out to one another. And the matter of the fact is that Pastor Stephen turned Kirsten and I and the staff, we can't do it. We're literally barred from the hospitals. We're barred from the nursing homes. We can't make in-home visits. But you can. We can't be there to hold the hands of the dying, which is something we love to do as pastors, to be there to shepherd you through that moment. But you can. We can't be there to put your hand on the backs of the moms and dads trying so hard to work from home and and be a teacher and be a dad and, and mom and not lose your sanity, right? We can't be there to offer a word of comfort and put my hands on your backs, but you can for each other. And you're doing it. I spent several of the last few years uh, training as a, a crisis counselor for Grantwood Area AEA with the CISM team, Critical Incident Stress Management. And we're the team of trained counselors that go into uh, high schools when there's been a suicide or a car accident or a teacher death, and, and we counsel, um, counsel the students and the teachers. And one thing that I found in my training there is there's something that we call trauma bond. That we are, we are uh, within a trauma, we are bonded to each other strongly in a way that we wouldn't otherwise in normal circumstances. I think we're feeling that now. Amen? I think we're realizing that our fellow community members and neighbors, we're bonded to them. My wife and I have experienced this. Katie said I could share this with you. That in the pr- outside pressures of the world are pushing up against both of us together. And we realize she and I are in this together and our marriage is, is doing okay and I hope yours is too. And families are being bonded together and I think that's one of the reasons why the American public is being bonded to the church once again. Is that trauma bond. Friends, I would implore you to be bonded this week and this season of our existence to the cross of Christ. Just as Christ was bonded to that cross, so are we. When Christ, they took him off that cross, you know, he had blood stains still on there, pieces of his flesh still on that cross. Part of Jesus is part of the cross. It'll always be with him and he with it. Likewise, when he was resurrected, he had nail holes in his hands and a pierced wound in his side. That cross continues to be a part of who God is, that suffering, that experience, that negative experience is always with God. And maybe it's the same with us. Our negative experience will always be with us and coloring who we are. But you know what? You can't have that underdog victory story without first going through the pitfall. Just like you can't have Easter Sunday without first going through Good Friday. It's an experience we're all experiencing. And I would implore you to bond yourself to the cross of Christ. And know that his ultimate underdog victory is not just for him, but for you. For all of us. Hang on to the cross of Christ this time of year. And know that Christ is hanging on to you as well. Amen.